0: Welcome to Math Mutation, a podcast where we discuss fun, interesting, or just plain weird corners of mathematics that you would not have heard in school. Recording from Hillsborough, Oregon, this is Eric Seligman, your host. And now, on to the math. Math Mutation 114. Where did my line go? Suppose I were to tell you that you could show me a long straight piece of cake and I could start eating it in such a way that if you're just patient enough to wait an infinite number of minutes, I would hand you back an amount of cake that in some sense was the same as what you started with despite having eaten enough that I now had as many pieces in my tummy as you had on your plate. Would you believe me? Well, there are some physical limitations here, such as the slight matter of the infinite minutes and the slight explosion we might get when I start biting into the cake at the atomic level. But if it's a purely mathematical cake, you might be surprised to learn that this can actually be done. The principle I'm talking about here is known as the Cantor set, named after the famous George Cantor, who made many breakthroughs in our understanding of infinities. That name's actually a bit unfair, since another mathematician, Henry John Stephen Smith, discovered the set a bit earlier, but Cantor's credited for introducing it more widely. Here's the basic idea. Take a length one line segment and cut out the middle third. Then cut out the middle third of the remaining two segments. Continue the process to infinity, cutting out a third each time. The Cantor set consists of all the points remaining in our line after all our cuts. Now let's ask ourselves, what's the total length of the Cantor set? You can quickly see that each set multiplies the total length by a factor of two-thirds, since we're cutting out a third of what we have each time. If we started at length one, then our total length after the first cut is two-thirds, the total length after the second set of cuts is two-thirds times two-thirds, the total length after the third set of cuts is two-thirds cubed, and so on. You can quickly see that this total value approaches zero as our cuts approach infinity. So the total length, or measure, of the Cantor set is zero. Thus, the parts that you cut out will eventually have a total length equal to the full line segment we started with. So if we've cut out an amount equivalent to the full line, we must not be left with that many points then, right? On the contrary, our Cantor set has just as many points as the line we started with. To see this, let's try expressing each point on the line as a possibly infinite base 3 decimal. That's a decimal point followed by numbers which can only be 0, 1, or 2. If you think carefully about how we constructed the set, you'll see that our first step of cutting out the middle thirds precisely removed the points that had a 1 rather than a 0 or 2 in the first position of their base 3 value. The second step removed from among the remaining points the points that had a 1 in the second position of their base 3 value. After our infinite number of steps, the Cantor set contains precisely those numbers with only a 0 or a 2 in their base 3 value, .22, .020, .0022200, and so on. Now comes the clever part. For each number in our Cantor set, map it to a base 2 decimal, where all the 2's are replaced by 1's. Because our set consisted of all possible decimal combinations of zeros and 2's, this means we've mapped our set to another one containing all possible decimal combinations of zeros and 1's. But in base 2, every number is a decimal combination of zeros and 1's. So this mapping shows that for every point in the real number line, a corresponding point exists in the Cantor set and thus we have as many points in the Cantor set as we did in the original line, despite its total length being zero. The Cantor set has a number of other interesting properties. It can be seen as an early example of a fractal, and in fact the well-known Sierpinski carpet and Menger sponge fractals, which look like crazy squares or cubes with lots of holes, can be seen as higher dimensional analogues of this set. It's also a totally disconnected set. For any two points, look at the first ternary digit where they differ and you can divide the Cantor set into closed subsets based on that digit, where the two points will be in different ones. In other words, find the first digit where one of them's a 0 and the other one's a 2, and just divide the Cantor set based on that digit, and we'll see the two points will be in two different closed sets. A bunch of other interesting properties, a bit too complex to detail in the podcast format, are also described on the Wikipedia page linked in the show notes. Overall, I think this is yet another great example of the counterintuitive consequences of dealing with infinity. This idea was said to be an important step for Cantor on the way to developing his general theories of infinite sets. This has been your Math Mutation for today.